As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back to the Guys in Ties podcast. This is Dustin. I'm here with Rob. Rob's on the phone again. I know it's a pleasure to have him in person, but uh, couldn't make it swing this week. With uh, It is Inauguration Day Wednesday, so traffic's just kind of out of control right now, and uh, we we wanted to get a pod out. So anyway, I called up Rob, and uh, how you doing today? I'm good, man. Like you said, uh, both of us in the D.C. area. Uh, so Inauguration Day going on. I actually always love Inauguration Day. I think it's really, really cool. Um, even this year's was a little sad with the pandemic and less festivities. But yeah, so catching Inauguration Day and uh, doing a pod. Not a bad day. No, not a bad day at all. And so what we're going to do today is really just talk about how awesome the UVA men's basketball team is again I feel like after that Clemson game, it was just like a lot of love for this team coming from really everyone. They played a pretty much flawless game against Clemson. Not that there weren't anything, there wasn't anything wrong, but of course, you know, holding a team, uh, a top 25 team to 50 points and of course scoring 85 just is something unheard of for a Tony Bennett team. So we're going to talk all about that. And I think we're just going to kind of talk about whatever we want today. Not a lot on the plate. Of course, we were supposed to have a game today on Wednesday. It's about, it's about 530 uh, when we're recording this. and But it was postponed because NC State has trouble with COVID in their ranks. So our next game is going to be on Saturday against Georgia Tech. And that will be at home uh, at 8, 8 p.m. on ACC Network. So hopefully that one can go and... Uh, Yes, we're going to talk about all that. But first, we want to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football playoffs are in full effect, and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I want to punch people from UVA right in the neck. wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. So, Ralph, well, I just want to, I think to start off, I think we have to do a kind of where were you 
when the Clemson game happened because I feel like this is a game, one of maybe an all-time good performance by a Tony Bennett team. Yeah, you know, I actually went home this weekend, so I was back in Roanoke uh, watching some playoff football, and I'm not going to lie to you, this game wasn't even at the top of my radar. I I love playoff football, so... Um, I don't. I hate know. it. I think playoff football well, is stupid. We should never have playoff football. <laughs> Your Saints have um, turned some bad performances the past couple of years in the playoffs, no yes. question. Yes, but not all of them were our fault. This one... We're going to talk Saints for a second. This one was awful. It was just tragic. Uh, The decisions made were awful. Michael Thomas decided to take a break. I mean, I know know his leg is destroyed, but um, he didn't do anything. Kamara wasn't really doing much. I just, yes, um, pain is what I felt uh, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, not to mention, I love Drew Brees. I saw Drew Brees play... um, the Redskins way back in the day when he was on the Chargers. When they used to be the Redskins. When they used to be the Redskins. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, LT stole the show that day, that's for sure. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, anyway, so I was watching playoff football, and, you know, I've, I forget which game this was on during, but it timed up perfectly, like right at halftime of that game, the football game, our game started. And um, it's kind of distracted, kind of like flipping between channels. A little bit and i was like whoa like this is this is a big performance for us like it started out so it was like 18 to 5 and then it started building and building and building and um yeah you know we we've discussed kind of this team's expectations and somewhat shortcomings and what have you over the past you know call it month or two um but this really did feel kind of like a turning point for this team and you know every like we talked about last week Every year there seems to be kind of a game like this, call it, uh, you know, mid, late January, where this team just seems to kind of get it together. And I think this was the third or fourth straight week they had used the same starting five. Um, rotation is getting closer to being settled. Uh, I won't say totally settled because Tomas, you know, came off the bench and did really well after not playing the past two games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it did kind of feel like a turning point. You know, the offense was efficient, obviously, 85 points for this Virginia team is a lot. And, you know, Notre Dame, or sorry, Clemson getting 50, you know, it could have been a lot less, honestly, um, you know, based on the way this team played in the first half. So, I I mean, obviously really impressed. And, you know, I think we're kind of putting on a bit new glasses, you know, if you will, trying to see how the season progressed now, now that we know, like, hey, we're, we're kind of clicking as a team a little bit. Um but yeah, what was kind of your takeaway from that? Um, I think my original, my thought was while watching it, like this is the team that everyone thought this Virginia team was going to be right at the beginning of the season. And I really, I th- I mean, I was one of those people that thought that, you know, Sam Hauser would just come in and Trey Murphy would inject just a s- straight threes into the offense and everything would be great. And that wasn't true. You know, we had to learn how to, they had to learn how to play with each other. They had to learn how to gel. Coaches, coaching staff needed to figure out some of our defensive deficiencies as well as some of our offensive strengths and really push those. And, you know, I, you know, especially after the loss to Gonzaga, the San Francisco loss didn't really worry me. The Gonzaga loss only worried me because 
we just got blown out of the water. And that doesn't really happen. But when it does happen, usually good things come afterwards. And so we're looking at, you know, this is not the first time a team has blown out the UVA Cavaliers. And then we come back kind of with a vengeance over the next couple of games. And I feel like the coaching staff is really good at using blowout losses, let's say to um, uh, thinking back to Tennessee in 2013. 14 no no the 14 uh no it was the 13 14 season the 2013 2014 season yeah because we were first yeah yeah and then uh think back to umbc i I would consider that a blowout loss for sure a lot of uh a lot of lessons learned from that game and then of course the national championship is next year and then of course the, the gonzaga game and we've reeled off five wins in a row during that time i feel like the confidence of the whole team has risen i feel like we see a whole new casey morsell i don't recognize his offensive game he's shooting threes really well his stroke looks clean he's able to um take guys off the dribble a little bit his passing is better and of course we're seeing a a really really consistent jay huff which i think has really turned the whole thing around jay huff is being able to um he play a little bit more he played in uh 26 minutes on when was this game saturday yeah saturday 26 minutes he was 5 of 12 from the field but he had 12 points seven rebounds five assists for the big man i just feel like there's a lot of things clicking at the right time and uh this team i think still has more clicking to do yeah i mean there's definitely still a ceiling where we can get um you know, I still want to see Hauser be a bit more of a consistent shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's probably better ways. I think we're still kind of trying to figure out who we are as a team when Jay Huff is not on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, with Caden Shedrick out for a while, does McCoy play the five? Doesn't really look like it. These past few games, looks like it's going more towards Kafaro. Um, There's certainly more things to figure out. You're right. And, you know, the one thing I do kind of want to say is, you know, I think we've kind of benefited from the context of how the schedule fell a little bit. You know, we start, you know, we talked about the Gonzaga game, obviously. Then like we talked about last week, you know, we kind of played cupcake city for a couple weeks in the ACC. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I kind of think of it as like the Duke football scheduling bowl, you know, back when Duke was winning seven, eight games a year in football, they'd schedule just cupcakes on their non-conference. They go four and O non-conference. And then, hey, you know, if you finish three and five in conference, then you're a seven and five team. That's great. Yeah. Um, you know, we didn't design this intentionally, but, you know, we started out with the back half of the ACC um, and the front half of our schedule. So we kind of took advantage. We built up a little bit of momentum. And then, you know, let's also remember, too, like Clemson, they were ranked 12th when we played them and when we destroyed them. But Clemson was also coming off the COVID pause. They hadn't played in a week and a half. So, you know, this didn't just like pop out of nowhere. I think we benefited from some favorable circumstances. Mm-hmm. It's probably the best way to say it. Um, but I think at the same time, what they were able to do is, you know, see how Gonzaga exposed so many parts of this UVA team. I mean, offensively, you know, this new sets they were running defensively, how they were handling screens, you know, so many different parts of this team. They were able to adjust um, over the past couple of weeks and, you know, really see kind of the first big step taken forward against Clemson on Saturday. So 
for me, you know, I'm kind of fully aware, you know, I think the schedule played in our favor, but I'm also fully aware that the coaches did what they needed to do. And it looks like we're heading in the right direction. You make a really good point. You know, we talked about that in our last podcast too, where, you know, we played the three worst teams in the ACC four times in our first four games. And then we, of course, we played the one who was uh, at the top or near the top, definitely ranked the highest. They were ranked 12 when we, we beat them. They had the number one ranked uh, defense uh, efficiently efficiency, according to Ken Palm. And I, I think the Virginia team took offense to that, that they weren't being recognized as a team who was good yet, especially after kind of taking care of business against Notre Dame, Boston College, and Wake Forest. You know, um, we didn't really blow any of these those teams out of the water. We beat Wake by nine. We beat Boston College by 12. Oh, we did hold them to 49 points. We beat Notre Dame by uh, 12 the second time, and we beat them by 11 the first time. So I think that we were taking care of business against teams that we needed to. But against Clemson, this was, I think, definitely a surprise that they came out with such fire. And, of course, hot shooting really helps. You know, we were shooting lights out. I think we shot, like, 53% from three for the – it was 55.6 for the whole game, 15 out of 27. I think that there's a lot to – unpack but I also do think that they showed up against probably the best team in the ACC besides ourselves at this point Rob do you think UVA is the best team in the ACC or do you think it's someone else you know I'm tempted to say Virginia is the best team in the ACC you know Florida State's getting some love after their win Mm -hmm. um, the other night I think Pitt you know, had an impressive showing against Duke the other night, although mm-hmm. I don't think Duke is as good as they have been. You know, it honestly would have been great, um, you know, speaking of scheduling, if Virginia was able to play Virginia Tech tonight. You know, yeah. that was something they were talking about because Virginia has their game canceled. Virginia Tech has their game canceled for tonight being Wednesday. Could they have made this work? Seems like maybe they have, but that's a, another topic of conversation. We can go down that road later, maybe. Um, but listen, like Virginia's ranked, 13th um in the country virginia tech is ranked 16th in the country um two highest ranked acc teams right now which is kind of crazy you know having duke unranked carolina unranked um so yeah i mean i think it's still too early to say definitively you know it seems like florida state might get a run going here um but hey listen like it's a, it's a down year for the conference and it looks like virginia um you know while a bit of a slow start to the season there's no reason to think they still shouldn't be the favorites to win the conference. I agree with you. I think that I actually think that whenever we play Virginia Tech, it'll be the two, uh, one of the two best team or the two of the some of the best teams in the conference at the time. Virginia Tech's playing really good basketball right now, and I hate to say that because I I, I still don't think they're that good. I just think the conference is bad, like super bad, and so Tech, um, of course they. They're five and one so far. They're a half game behind us. I think when we play them, it'll give us another good showing of where we are. I'm, I think, more worried about Florida State. Somehow, Florida State's still unranked. Uh, they're they're eight and two overall. They're playing really good basketball right now. I expect them to be to be ranked in the next poll if if they don't lose or anything like that. I'm just 
I, I'm surprised at the mediocrity of the league this year. And, you know, we can, we can say a lot of it has to do with COVID. A lot of it has to do with, you know, limited practice time, canceled games, stuff like that. But Duke and North Carolina being as bad as they are, and, and Syracuse too, Syracuse is also bad, are not as good this year. I think it's just screwing up everyone a lot. And now when you look at our schedule, you know, we had that stretch of like UNC at home, at Florida State, at Duke within a week. That was in, that was within seven days. And now that doesn't look as bad anymore because Duke, I think, is trash. I think this is the worst team Coach K has had since the uh, 90s. And then UNC apparently has decided to continue their mediocrity from last year, not be as good anymore. And Florida State's the only one who really worries me within that bunch. So I think, you know, playing at Florida State's going to be tough. I think playing at Virginia Tech's going to be tough. I'm glad we have our away game at Clemson out of the way because they're one of the only teams that had fans. They had about 1,000 fans on Saturday, and we still they had 1,800 fans, and we still uh, were able to take care of them like that. I, I'm looking forward to, from what I'm looking at, how are Virginia Tech and Florida State going to do the rest of the way? Yeah, that makes sense. And, um, you know, tentatively scheduled to play Virginia Tech here on um, January 30th. So not that far away. Florida State's a bit later. They're February 15th, like you alluded to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's definitely strange. And, you know, it's... It's different watching basketball this year, too, just because games are canceled. You know, I think there's seven top 25 teams that originally had games tonight uh, that were called off due to COVID. Um, So, you know, it's a different college basketball watching experience for sure, without question this year. Um, But, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, Virginia Tech, I still think Virginia Tech and the national media's eyes is, you know, kind of still living a bit large. Um, based on their Villanova win early in the season. But, mm-hmm. I mean, hey, props to them. You know, they, they did get that done. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I'm excited to see how the rest of the conference play turns out for sure. Um, you know, and then just kind of looking at for this Virginia team, you know, what I guess the question becomes what adjustments are there still to be made and how, how effective are they going to be in continuing, um, you know, what we've kind of seen recently, which is kind of this more – triangle focused offense you know sharp shooting on the outside um you know just a lot of adjustments and tweaks to this offense as well as defense that's taken place you know i think virginia's in the place now though you know starting out conference play what four and oh five and oh um you know they can really focus on themselves and they take care of business they i think they are probably the front runner to win the conference and i I like what you said about taking care of business because that's exactly what they've been doing over the past couple of games to to win these games and pretty pretty like in a standard UVA way winning these games, uh, not fouling a lot. We only had eight fouls against Clemson. That's pretty good. That's pretty par for the course. Only seven turnovers compared to twenty two assists uh, against Clemson on Saturday, which is a great, uh, great stat line and com- completely opposite from how it was against Gonzaga, where really Key had to do the whole thing. I, you know, I, I'd love to see our hot three point shooting continue. We, we've been just outrageous the past couple of games, especially against Clemson. I mean, 
Trey Murphy was perfect from the field. Sam Hauser was 4-5. Jay Huff took six threes. He made two of them. I think that I'm looking forward, because this is kind of what this whole team has was based upon in everyone's minds coming into the season. They're like, oh, Jay can step out and shoot. Sam Hauser's just a, a deadly from three. Kihei's like, okay. I think that was kind of the whole thing. And now we have Trey Murphy as well. Casey's shooting better from three. Tomas has decided to come in and be perfect from the field against Clemson. He had 14 points. I think I'm, I I would love to see the three point shooting continue as well as the assist. I think the assist number is really telling because it shows that this team is more used to each other and they're used to working together and they're used to this offense that they're running now too. Yeah. I mean, the assist number, like you said, 22 assists to seven turnovers um, against Clemson. I mean, really break this down. Three turnovers came from Francisco Cafaro, who played 13 minutes. <laughs> um, and if you look at the assist numbers from, you know, our point, art, point guard 1A, 1B, and Kihei Clark and Reese Beekman, Kihei Clark, five assists, no turnovers. Mm-hmm. Reese Beekman, six assists, one turnover. So, I mean, like, that's just a really, really impressive level of efficiency that we're seeing from this team. And, you know, I I know we've talked about this before. I really, really do like having Reese Beekman as the two guard. Yeah. Um, seems like there's still a little bit of, uh, you know, uncer- not uncertainty, but um, position still to be won as far as coming off the bench goes. You know, Tomas, while the 10 side doesn't play for two games, but then he comes in against Clemson um, plays 20 minutes, shoots uh, four or six from three. Um, so looks, you know, really, really good. And, you know, in the post-game press conference, it wasn't so much the offense that Tony Bennett was talking about. It was more his defense and saying mm-hmm. that he had earned time with improved defensive play. Um, and, you know, Casey Morsell kind of having his breakout game a couple of days ago, also plays 22 minutes against Clemson, um, hits a three, um, is one of three from three to a five on the floor. So, you know, there's still spots to be won, but it definitely seems like when this offense is really humming, you know, this team can do a lot of damage. And they're very versatile. Two point guards on the floor we've seen. Um, you know, Trey Murphy and Hauser are obviously versatile in the threes they can take. And Jay Hoff playing a bit at the top of the key and more of a distributor role these past couple of games. There's a lot to like about this offense, no question. I've, something that we really talked about, in our last one, in our last pot a couple weeks ago, was to, is Tony going to tighten up the rotation? And if so, who who benefits and who doesn't? And I feel like we're starting to see who is going to benefit from expanded minutes and who is really uh, going to suffer from that. So we see that, you know, our starting five seems pretty much set. And so unless something, you know, changes drastically over the next couple games i feel like this is gonna be our starting five for the rest of the season we've got kihei reese beekman trey murphy sam hauser jay huff um all none of them actually had more than 30 minutes 30 minutes in this uh game against clemson which i think is pretty good i think it's considering you know we blew them out and yeah tony Tony put in the reserves at the end but you know uh we see casey getting expanded minutes he had 21 and he's been pretty much i think coming off the bench first or second every single time as a backup guard tomas has been coming off the bench actually he wasn't but he did this time and i 
I don't know if he was hurt or anything, but as you were talking about, expanded minutes because of his defense, and he had a heck of a game. Uh, four of six from three. I, earlier, I don't know why I said he was perfect. He was not. He was four of six from three. Uh, he had five rebounds to go along within two steals. So definitely a good stat line for him. And Francisco Cafaro has been playing a lot more recently. I think due more to Shedrick's injury than his playing style. I think Tony really likes the versatility that Shedrick brings. So I think once he's healthier, he'll be able to come back. The people who have lost minutes because of this, I think Justin McCoy is the main person here who has really lost more time. You know, Justin McCoy starts off the season starting. He plays a lot of minutes in some of those earlier games. And at this point, he hasn't played a lot in, a, you know, I can't really think of any ACC game where he's played a lot of minutes. Yeah, and, you know, McCoy, you do kind of feel for him. You know, he comes into the year, people talking about the strides he made in the offseason, comes into the year, starts at least the first game, if not the first few games, now kind of finds himself buried on the bench. Um, you know, I think that's more of a product of the rest of the lineup as much as anything else. You know, you've got um, Hauser and you've got Murphy that are two, you know, kind of three-slash-four players. Um and, you know, I think Tony Bennett really wants to add height there at the five position. And that's something that, you know, McCoy really doesn't possess. And, you know, it, it seems like his three-point shot has improved from his freshman and sophomore year. But mm-hmm. he's still not really as much a threat to really draw the defense out um, as you'd like to see for a guy of his height. Um, so I think that's probably the biggest reason. But, yeah, you know, you look at um, the game against Clemson and, it was really an eight-man rotation. You know, you start with your starting five, like you mentioned. The two main guys coming off the bench and the guard position were um, Casey Morsell, who seems like he's going to stick in that role, and Tomas Waldatensai. You know, I guess still too early to tell if Tomas can stay in the lineup, just given he wasn't in the lineup for a couple weeks there. Yeah. And then, you know, the eighth man, uh, if you will, being Kafaro, who played 13 minutes, who kind of subbed in and was kind of the backup when Jay Huff came in. So really the question will be, you know, if and or when, you know, Jay Huff is able to come back, does Shedrick slide into that role? Or, you know, we don't really know what's going on with Shedrick. We know it's not COVID. We know it's illness, um, so not necessarily injury-related. But we don't really know what's happening there. So if Shedrick is able to come back, is he able to take that role back from Kafaro and become kind of the backup center or is does Kafaro stick in that role um still a bit too early to tell but you're right you know we're what we've kind of seen so far um through ACC play is McCoy probably isn't going to play that much um Jabri Abdur-Rahim the talented freshman it seems somewhat clear at this point he's probably a year away as far as significant minute contribution mm-hmm. we kind of knew this was going to be a, a slower year for Carson McCorkle um and Cody Satin we still don't know what's going on with as well so you know, like you said, we're getting a feel for this rotation and it's it's settling in a bit and it's settling in in a way that I personally, in the, uh, excuse me, in a way I'm personally excited about. It's definitely a lot better than it was kind of at the beginning of the season where a lot of people were getting a lot of minutes. And I think Tony and co were really kind of just tinkering with lineups, honestly. I mean, they really didn't know what this team was and how it was going to work together. And so they were just kind of throwing people in the lineups, I think we saw a lot of that, uh, especially against uh, 
our our, fir- our first couple of games, I was going to say against San Francisco, but also Towson, you know, Towson, we, we crushed them by about 35, but against San Francisco, we lost by one. And so I think that there was still a lot of tinkering going on there. There was a lot of, what is this team? How did these players play together? You know, Trey Murphy had just got eligible earlier that day. So yeah, against San, against San Francisco. And so, you know, we look back and think about, you know, well, you know, Jabri Abdur-Rahim and Carson McCorkle were getting minutes during the Towson game just regularly. You know, McCoy was starting. Cody Statman was still getting a lot of minutes. Casey was fighting for minutes back then. Tomas was fighting for minutes. So there's just a lot of people with minutes to go around. I think the rotation for the first couple of games was like 11 or 12 people, you know, not not walk-ons. You know, Chase Coleman, who actually did get significant minutes last year. So Yeah, isn't that crazy to think about that Chase Coleman came in in some meaningful situations a year yeah, ago? Yeah, and played well. He played well too, like as as well as any walk on has played for UVA, and he did a fine job. I think this year there's no need to play him, but yeah, you know, I I don't know if you if you um, read the story or anything, but there's a great story that ACC Network did on Chase Coleman and his kind of his his uh, cheerleading and his his coaching speak from the bench this year and how that's really helped the team to focus and and call stuff out and keep talking and everything like that i thought it was a really great uh moment for him yeah i mean even tony bennett called out his energy um i forget what game it was it was at jpj but Mm -hmm. he was basically just like going crazy on the baseline because i guess they have to put people on the baseline now because of covid yeah um and tony bennett brought it up in his press conference he'd invited like a friend or something um to the game and the friend was like who's that guy on the bench who's so excited um yeah i mean coleman's a great asset to have honestly i mean he's kind of been up front that i think he wants to get into coaching yeah. after uh, he's done at uva so definitely the right type of player to have on your team yeah and you know the the other thing you know speaking about team and teammates and and being a good teammate i feel like this team has really bought into this season i think they know that there's some shortcomings on the defensive end i mean even though they played super well against clemson i think we can all agree that this is not a you know classically defensive tony bennett team where they're just gonna like uh, strangle people to death and make them suffer uh we still make people suffer but just not as much this year and so i think that they i think this team knows that i think this team knows that they're more talented offensively and i also think they understand that you know covid's going to change some things and they just need to be prepared to deal with that the 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 ramifications of you know canceling a game on you know today wednesday and then have not having to play for another week and you know how do you fill that time how do you keep up your momentum against uh you know in this strange time so i think that the team has also changed their attitude i think you can really see that there was a moment in the i want to say the notre dame game when jay huff took a i think he made a basket on one end and then he took a charge on the other and it was right in front of the uva bench and then the whole bench basically got out of their chairs and came and picked him up and uh i think tony slapped his butt and it was a great moment because the whole team was there and like excited for him. Even people, I think, you know, who may not have been playing as much, you think to Tomas, who didn't play in that game, maybe Jabri Abdul Rahim, who may have 
thought that he, especially considering his status and you know his high ranking coming in as a freshman, he hasn't played as much as he probably would have at another school. So I think that just having the whole team buy in is a really good sign for where this team can go and what we can do the rest of the season. Yeah, and I mean, as far as, you know, minutes to go around, you know, you mentioned Jabri Abdur-Rahim. You know, he got a rare four minutes uh, against Clemson. I mm-hmm. say rare because many times he just doesn't end up playing. Um, and, you know, that's that's a topic on the message boards right now is, you know, who who could be a potential flight risk as far as transferring after the season, especially with the expected uh, implementation of a one-time transfer waiver. So guys would not have to sit out a year. Um, but, you know, it seems by all accounts, you know, this is a team where everyone's on the same page. Um, you know, that's normally the case with the Tony Bennett team. And I think as a consequence of him being so upfront with players during the recruiting cycle, mm-hmm. um, letting them know, you know, what it takes to earn playing time at Virginia. Um, not to mention Jabri missed uh, the majority, if not all, of his high school season with a foot injury, which I think probably slowed him down as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, you bring up a great point about this team, how they're building off each other. And, you know, another moment that stood out to me and the Clemson game is, you know, obviously the charge that Jay Huff took. That was really exciting. Um, another one that stood out to me, and it's funny how you just remember these kind of random moments in the game. There's so many positions or possessions and, you know, certain moments stand out. But the one that did to me was uh, Sam Hauser had a decently open, they were just whipping the ball around mm-hmm. on offense. And Sam Hauser had a decently open three from one of the wings. And it looked like he was about to take it. And he just gave the extra pass to Jay Huff at the top of the three point line. And he knocks down the three and he was wide open for that shot. Yeah. And I don't know, it's funny how you remember that. But for me, it's that was the moment where it's like, these guys are really clicking. Like, you know, coming into the season, you have arguably your best player. Uh, and Sam Hauser has a shot that a lot of people would have taken, but just the rhythm was so efficient and Jay Huff gets the even better look and knocks it down. Um, I, yeah. All that I, to say, I think they're really coming together. I, I think, I think I remember that moment and I think I yelled at my TV and then I was like, Oh, that works too. You know, <laughs> when Jay makes it, I, I, yeah, I think, I think that's a really good point is that does the same Hauser make that pass at the beginning of the year? Probably not. They do. Probably yeah. not. And I mean, yeah, go on. What were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say like they were figuring so many things out at the beginning of the year that we weren't even mm-hmm. aware of, you know, not just playing with each other, but how they work within the offense. So to me, I think you're actually absolutely right. I don't think he makes that pass at the beginning of the year. That extra right. pass. Right. I agree. Um, Rob, I want to switch gears a little bit. We're, we're about halfway in through our podcast at the moment. Before we go any further, um, our, our, our next segment, I want to, I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned potential flight risks from this team for this weird season, uh, with the one time transfer rule at the end of the season. I want to talk about that, but first I want to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. The wait is finally over, football is in full effect, and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. So let's talk about potential, potential, excuse me, flight risks, as it were, to the transfer market. Now, a lot of times after a season, you you see a lot of transfers. I think after this season, it might even be more than normal. Um, in the past, UVA has not been a like a huge transfer market. We've definitely had our our share of people who have left. Uh, to go other places. You know, if you look at um, Tevin Jones comes to mind uh, from the mid Tony Bennett years, the early Tony Bennett years, we, we had a ton of transfers coming in or going out, uh, 
especially a lot of people who were uh, leftovers from Dave Leto's tenure here. But looking at this roster, is there anyone, any one person who stands out to you? We we mentioned Jabri Abdul-Rahim as someone who is a potential risk, you think, but is there anyone else who you think might be a risk to leave, go somewhere else, try and get more minutes? You know, I think the best way to kind of frame this conversation is I think everyone initially, you know, has to be considered somewhat of a transfer risk just Mm -hmm. because of this new NCAA waiver that's expected to pass, giving players the one-time transfer, you know, so without having to sit out a year. So I think that's going to open up a lot of doors for players, um, particularly underclassmen. So I think you're absolutely right. I think we are going to see more transfers in general in the college basketball world um, than maybe we've been accustomed to. You know, as far as potential guys to transfer um, from this team, you know, it's tough to really dive in here too deep without speculating too much. I mean, the easiest guys to peg are the guys who aren't playing as much this year, but we also don't know what type of development track they're on Mm -hmm. or, you know, what else is going through their minds. So, yeah, I mean, Jabri is a name that gets brought up on message boards, but who's to say, you know, this isn't the role he was told to expect and that he's comfortable with right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just kind of just kind of is what it is at this point. Um, you know, I think the bigger, the more interesting topic regarding transfers um, isn't so much who would necessarily transfer out more so than who would pro- potentially transfer into next year. You mm-hmm. know, looking at our roster makeup next year, currently with Tane Murray as an incoming freshman, we're at 11 scholarships, meaning there's still two, two open spots available. You know, the staff is looking at a couple um, 2021 guys right now, but most likely, you know, at least one, if not both of these roster spots could be filled by transfers. So, I think that's probably as intriguing as who's going to be transferring out is who potentially could transfer in. Of course, we won't know until after the season. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And, you know, we're, we're losing some really unique players from this roster. We're losing uh, our three seniors who are on scholarship are Jay Huff, Sam Hauser, and Tomas Wildetensai. And of course, there's also Austin Castro, who is a I think he's a walk-on this season. I know he, he is, had this. Yeah. I know he had the scholarship for I think one semester, but I don't know if that's still being counted for. Um, but but for sure, losing a lot of talent from those three people, especially Jay Huff, who um, you you talk about a seven-one kind of unicorn kind of player. He he's really shown this season a huge stride in his development. Uh you know, can Caden Shedrick fill that role? It's it's definitely going to be different. I don't I don't know if there's any transfer out there who can really fill that role. Um, in you know, in comparison, Sam Hauser and Tomas Wodatensai, you're looking at a lot of shooting leaving this team. Do we look for a shooter? Do we look for someone who can fill a shooter role? Do we do we look for a transfer who's going to have to you know play to right play right or ooh, play right away or we look for someone who may have to sit out a year you know we don't know if the red shirt rule is going to apply again next year you know this year kind of red shirts were off the table it's a free year of eligibility for everyone 
does that apply again or is it going to be, you know, you have to sit out a year if you haven't graduated yet? A lot of things to think about with that. You mentioned earlier that Jabri Abdurrahim was a player that is brought up a lot. And honestly, I don't buy buy it that he would leave after a year. In all honesty, I feel like he came in expecting this a little bit. As you said earlier, he was hurt for most of his senior season in high school. You know, you look back to uh, probably our best player under Tony, or one of the best players under Tony Bennett, uh, DeAndre Hunter. He was a kind of similar build to Jabri. He was tall, athletic wing, and with you know great body size, great arm length, and a good feel for the game. And he redshirted his freshman season at UVA. And a lot of people are like, well, can we really afford to do that? But it just takes time for some people. And of course, look at him now. He's starting for the Atlanta Hawks in his second season with the NBA. I feel like Jabri knows development really well, considering his dad is the president of the G League. So he knows what it takes to develop. He knows it takes time. And I think that he's comfortable in the position that he's in. Yeah, I mean, listen, people, Tony Bennett's been around. Isn't it crazy? Tony Bennett's, I think this is his 12th season. Like, yeah. you know, and we've been consistent winners for, call it the last seven or eight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, listen, people know by now that Virginia is a developmental program. And, you know, anyone who commits to Virginia, you know, expecting to just kind of be given anything is misguided. <laughs> and I yeah. don't think Tony Bennett is uh, trying to do that to these players. So, you know, I think just kind of where we have the program now, you know, I think you're right. I think if Jabri does see a clear path to playing time, even if it's not right now within a year or two, I think there's reason to expect him to stick around. Um, and Hey, I mean, listen, you bring up Deandre Hunter. I mean, I think it was like his brother or his dad or something like that. You know, there was that story that came out about how unhappy Deandre Hunter was, uh, redshirting that season yeah and listen we haven't heard any of that from jabri season's yep. still young but i remember that was very controversial people were worried that deandre hunter might transfer um you know you kind of just create your own worry if you kind of dive into these yeah. uh transfer situations because it just kind of is what it is and yeah there's so much that as diehard fans as we are you know reading every content listening to all the podcasts what have you um there's just still things that we don't know um, yeah. as far as what conversations are happening. So I think we kind of create our own problems when we start <laughs> going down this rabbit hole. No, I totally agree. But also, you know, you're talking about a lo- looking forward to seeing where his playing time is going to be. You know, Sam, he plays the same position as Sam Hauser. Yeah, I think they're very different players, but I think Jabri's a kind of that stretch four, maybe a three guard. So he's probably more of a three than Sam Hauser, but still he's going to kind of slide into that athletic wing role that Tony Bennett loves to have kind of where Trey Murphy is right now. So maybe Trey Murphy slides up to the four. Jabri goes to the three. We have a supersized lineup. I, I can see definitely next year, some real playing time for him. If he gets, you know, up to speed a little bit, you know, it's been a long time since he's played a lot of basketball. So getting up to speed in the college game, Super important. Takes some freshmen a little bit longer to do. Um, not a big deal. And I mean, you're, you're seeing this all over the country this year with really talented freshmen who are having trouble adjusting to this year's game. 
I mean, look at programs like Duke and Kentucky, which are made up of a lot of top t- talented freshmen. They're just really struggling right now because they didn't they don't have they didn't have a lot of offseason to work with their teammates. They aren't up to the speed of the game, even though they're really good, really talented players. They're not seeing things as clearly as they probably would if if they had a little bit of extra practice time. So, you know, I expect Jabri to get some more spot minutes here and there. I would I'm I'm counting this as a redshirt season for him, you know, not expecting him to play any meaningful minutes at all, but to learn a lot, bulk up that body of his, get some great shooting in, practice that pack line defense and get ready next year to be the sixth man of the year in the ACC. And um not six man, but like he, I mean, he might be starting next year. I don't know. I think, I yeah, think, cause I mean, Dre was six man of the year, wasn't he? His fresh, his redshirt freshman year. Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. So, and even though he was like basically a star, he played starters minutes. He would just come in, I think for Jack Salt a lot of the time and we'd play small ball. <laughs> Jack Salt, like, all right, uh, under 16, let's, yeah. let's switch this out. <laughs> really like 18 minutes. Jack Salt comes out <laughs> one foul. Jack's out, bring in Dre. I, I think that Jabri has a very similar path to DeAndre Hunter, and I see a lot of the same kind of qualities in them. Uh, so I'm looking for kind of a similar style of play to, to that. Yeah, I mean, looking at next year's roster, too, you know, of course, all of this is extremely speculative. You know, we've seen, you know, whatever we are, 10 or so games into our current schedule, and we're still figuring out our rotation. But, yeah. you know, it seems like, Right off the bat, just looking at the roster, way too early starting five. Maybe it's Kihei, Reese Beekman, Casey Morsell, Trey Murphy, and Caden Shadrick. So who are the guys really mm-hmm. battling for minutes in our current roster? I mean, you think it'd be Kafaro and McCoy are probably competing for the same spot. But it seems to me Jabri would be probably the first one off the bench for either the two or three spot if he's mm-hmm. not starting, or the three or four spot, excuse me if he doesn't earn his way in the starting lineup. So there's mm-hmm. certainly a path forward here. And I think most of these guys can see it. And I would imagine the coaching staff is articulating the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, honestly, we don't know. Uh, there's been a lot of speculation about, you know, this is a free year of eligibility. Are there going to be some top tier seniors that stay for another year? I mean, I think it'd be pretty tough to convince Jay Huff, who is now a married man to stay for another year and not make any money. Um, Sam Hauser, kind of the same thing. He's already transferred one once and, you know, is he done after this year? I could see Tomas staying another year. I don't know his situation in school. I know he already graduated once from, a um, from, uh, Indian Hills and, but now he's not UVA. Do any of these seniors stay? I think is another interesting question. And I think one that we can't possibly answer on this podcast yeah um, i mean for sure <laughs> but like i've been looking at or sorry go ahead i was just gonna say we there's no way we can do that until the end of the season and after the season's over we'll have a better sense of it then yeah and you know hauser and huff kind of both fifth year seniors guys that probably have a more clear path to the nba in their future mm-hmm. um i wouldn't expect them to stick around but like you said, Tomas is interesting. Tomas is a senior, but he never redshirted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, would he stick around? Would Tony Bennett have him back? I don't know, but it's certainly interesting to think about. Does Tony want him back? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. 
all all questions well, not to say that in a bad way but no oh yeah no no you know, I'm at just, some I'm, point like <laughs> you know we don't know what their thinking is no um, i wasn't i wasn't <laughs> i wasn't saying he wouldn't want him back i was just saying like <laughs> does it you know does it hurt his recruiting thing as well because you know we've talked about this before too where it might be really difficult for a lot of programs if they have people you know stay an extra year if there's not going to be a, a what's it called a scholarship increase number increase so i i think there's just yeah. a lot of unanswered questions that and that are unanswerable at this moment and so we can't possibly even talk about them um rob any other notes about basketball that you want to talk about i mean none other than the fact that like we kind of began the episode saying i think that clemson game was a real kind of statement mm-hmm. turnaround game for this team um so looking ahead, you know, we got Georgia Tech next on Saturday. Um, you know, Syracuse, I hate playing Syracuse. Then um, <laughs> we get Syracuse the following Monday. Um, anyway, I, I'm intrigued about how this team continues to progress because I still do think there's – I think what we saw against Clemson is the closest to kind of the goal that we've seen all year. But I still think there's a ways to go um, yeah. as far as – replicating that performance day in and day out so yeah. i'm very intrigued about how this team roster rotation all of the above continues to evolve i i like i like that's well said i like how you said that i think if there's is there any one thing you think this team needs to work on a little bit more you know i don't know if there's one thing in particular i mean obviously when they shoot really well things look better things look great yeah so it's a bit of fool's gold but and you know we've seen how shooting teams teams that rely solely on the three-point shot can falter i mean look no further than the umbc year you know Mm -hmm. that team had no inside presence was purely an outside shooting team and if you go cold one night you can see what happens yeah um there was a lot more to that game as well but uh yeah i mean i think i would say continuity of offense meaning you know does it continue to mesh can we avoid long scoring droughts can like the hauser to huff pass example you know can it feel natural and easy for these players to execute i i would say that's probably the biggest thing i'm looking for yeah what about you um i would say you know we've been doing a great job not fouling other teams i want to see i think a little bit more of us getting getting to the line and uh, forcing other teams to foul us. We only had uh, two free throws the entire game against Clemson. Both of them were made by Kihei Clark, but you know, still there, this has been something that's plagued UVA teams over the past, you know, however, 10 years, seven years. And, you know, it always seems like, Oh, refs don't call fouls against UVA teams. But also, I think it's like, you know, UVA teams don't get fouled that much you know we don't get put in positions to get fouled there's a lot of really good passing great movement on offense so there's not a lot of opportunities to foul I think there's a I'm not ref complaining but I think Jay Huff did get fouled on that one um where he kind of fell down off of the layup I think he got pushed a little bit in any case I think you know we we could we could use a little bit of getting to the line a little bit more and you know if you look back at our past at the other acc games we were um oh shoot i just had it pulled up i'm sorry we were eight of ten 
against Wake Forest, and we were six of seven against uh, Notre Dame the second time, and against Boston College, I think we were nine of ten. Yeah, nine of ten. So we're making a lot of free throws, but we we aren't getting to the line at probably the clip that we could. And so I'd like to see the team get get some more of those free points a little bit more because we are shooting really well from the free throw line this season. It's interesting you bring that up and not drag this on any longer than it needs to go on. But, um, you know, I mean, really, we haven't had that in the UVA team. You know, DeAndre Hunter had a bit of that in him. But Mm -hmm. really the team I think about was that Elite 18. Yeah. Uh, Brogdon and Gill. Gill was probably our last big man who really sought out contact. Yeah. And then um, Brogdon was just such a good player in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But he was probably our last like big guard who was willing to kind of drive and force the issue. Um, and certainly DeAndre Hunter, um, more of a wing player, was able to do that for us as well. But yeah, that that's a really interesting point. That's something I actually hadn't noticed. Um, was the lack of free throws against Clemson. But you know, like even DeAndre, I, I never remember him like see, like seeking out that contact and getting to the line a lot. Like he was good at the line, but it wasn't something that he was known for. You know, he was known for um, a great mid-range, really consistent on the edge, on the three, a good passer, good rebounder, great defender. Yeah, but you know, you think about Anthony Gill, it's just like, well, he got fouled every single time he was <laughs> shooting from down low. So... I think we just we really haven't seen a player like him since. And you're right, we haven't seen a player like him since then. Like, could Justin McCoy kind of fill in that role of a of a meaty? And you know, he's tried to. Yeah, in the past couple of ACC games, he's really tried. It just you know hasn't worked out for Justin McCoy yet. Maybe in a few years, when he gets more opportunities, maybe he can become more of a down low player, like Anthony Gill was. You know, I speaking of McCoy, I just saw when I was looking at the roster, he's listed at six eight. I don't think he's six eight. You think he's shorter? I think he's shorter. Yeah, that's you never know with these college rosters. No, I know. <laughs> the example I always go to is Kevin Parks being listed at five eight yeah. going to the pro day and he's barely five six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um anyway, that was a complete um uh, that we went off the rails there. Uh, I, we well, were talking I think about Gil, Gil was six eight, I think as well. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. Any in any case, I think that it'll be interesting to see if maybe McCoy goes down that road. He's certainly got the body for it. He's a uh, he's gotten a lot stronger since his freshman year too. It looks he looks bigger. Uh, I don't know. I'm just I I love a big man who just gets fouled every time and has great footwork down low i think it's it's kind of like you know establish the run for football you know you gotta love love a great offensive line just like pushing people around i love to see it um anyway that's my take that's the that's the only thing i would really focus on and that's that's not even all up to you you know if you're a team that gets fouled a lot a lot of it has to do with the teams you play and how you play that's not our style this year i don't expect to get fouled a lot i just feel like if we could seek out a little bit more contact, uh, that would help us out a lot, especially because we're making most of our shots from the line anyway. Yeah, no, couldn't agree more. Uh, Rob, any last thoughts on this team, you know, going into the game on Saturday against uh, Georgia Tech? Uh, any thoughts on that game? No, I mean, hopefully this is a game where momentum continues. And this is 
the beginning of, you know, one of these typical Tony Bennett ACC runs where they're able to reel off 10 plus wins in a row. So Mm -hmm. hope would be you take care of business against Georgia Tech. Yeah. Even though Georgia Tech's been like super mediocre this season, they're six and three on the, on the year, uh, two and one in the conference. They've had some COVID issues or or, um, games canceled due to COVID. So I don't know when the last time they played was, but uh, they definitely have not played as many games as us. Uh, they're much better than they used to be, I think. But for sure, a team that we should beat. That's at 8 o'clock on ACC Network. Sorry to our fellow Comcast Who fans. Uh, still no ACC Network for you. You'll have to find alternate ways, wink, wink, of watching the game. <laughs> and then on Monday, uh, we're playing Syracuse. We hate Syracuse. But um, that's at 7 p.m on espn so a big monday game that should be good we'll get some great announcers for that too uh looking forward to it and with that i think we're pretty much done with this episode so thanks so much for listening this is the guys and ties podcast make sure to follow us on twitter at guys and ties pod make sure to follow us on spotify and itunes if you like what you hear at guys and ties pod make sure to follow us on instagram and uh snapchat for all that bonus content and uh, make sure to check out Armchair Media. They got a lot of great podcasts out there about a lot of great sports that are continually coming back. And I think, you know, sports are back at this point. But uh, always good to have sports back. And we will see you guys next time. Go Hoos. just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on the driver who treats the highway like a racetrack and the shoulder like a passing lane. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois.